0: Love, talk, radio. This is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs each Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the Collaborative Problem Solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. That's 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to make things better. Hey there, and welcome to today's program. I'm glad you were able to join in. The new introduction was supposed to play just now telling you that the program is on at 11 a.m. on Mondays, but the new introduction did not play. Now i got to figure that out. You know, I guess there's always problems that need to be solved, eh? I'm glad you solved the problem of how to listen to this program, though, because, um, well, I hope that you find today's program to be informative. We're going to go back to the email today to answer lots of questions that I'm receiving um, from different parents who are wanting more information about how to understand their behaviorally challenging child and implement, well, solve problems collaboratively with their child. And um, if you have a question, if you have a comment, you've got the number uh, 347-994-2981. Um, and today's a good day to call. We've got our parents panel in two weeks. We've got lots of time for questions this week and next, so don't hesitate. That's what this program is for. But I'm going to start with the questions right off the bat here. Uh, Doctor Green, I have a really serious problem. I'm an adult who lacks these skills too. Now I have children. I can't help them. I think like them. Is there a book with a lot of Q&A and options listed? I need help in brainstorming. I need to help myself, and then I can help them. Where can I go? Are there any websites where I can ask my question, and it can give me ideas and realistic results? Um, I think I understand exactly what you're going through. And let's see if I can help you out a little bit. Um, I think you can help them, even if you think like them. I think you can help them. Lots of us are lacking skills. That's Well, all of us are lacking skills. If you were to go to the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems on the Lives in a Balance website in the paperwork section and download or print out the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems, you would see that there are, well, that all human beings are lacking skills. And lots of human beings who are lacking skills are still solving problems collaboratively with their children. How do they do it? By learning right along with their children. By learning right along with them. Um, so I don't know that it is true that you need to help yourself before you can help them. It might be true. It depends on all that you have going on and what you think is getting in your way. But I'm, as it relates to the solving problems collaboratively part, Most parents aren't very good at it in the beginning. Most parents, for most parents, it's a brand new skill. Um, They learn right along with their children. And that makes it a problem-solving team, which is actually pretty cool all by itself if you think about it. Why, Why should you go this alone? Actually, parent being the smart one, parent being the one who's in charge. Parent who's the one who always has their act together. That's not necessary for solving problems collaboratively. That's those are that's an old way of thinking about the role of parents. When it comes to conflict, when it comes to problems that need to be solved, parents are Problem solvers, they solve problems collaboratively. But a lot of parents aren't very good at it in the beginning, and a lot of parents don't know how in the beginning. You'll learn how right along with your child, and that's actually pretty cool when you think about it. It it can have parents feeling a little insecure in the beginning because they... um, thought that they had to have their act together first. Now, if you have serious mental health issues and feel like you can't even get around to doing collaborative problem solving, well, then you you might have some things to take care of first. But as it relates to solving problems collaboratively, that and getting good at it, you and your kid are going to be learning together. What a blast. If you need help brainstorming, your kid may be able to help you out. But there are tons of options for helping you educate yourself further um, on the Lives in the Balance website, www.livesinthebalance.org. Just an enormous amount of help on that website. Um, You can listen to any of the 170 or so radio programs where all facets of this model are being described and lots of people are calling in and getting the help that they need. Um, There's all kinds of streaming video on the Lives in the Balance website. There's written material. There's recorded material. My goal was for it to be just a massive resource for people on implementing this model. And here's the best news. The reason I do this radio program is so that you can call in any time you want and get the help you need with any facet of this model. So I hope to hear from you soon because it would be uh, fun and educational um, for other people to listen in and for you to get help Straight from the horse's mouth, as they say. Happy to help you out. Here's another. As soon as it pops up on my screen, here's another. Actually, this one, I'm looking now, this one is the educator program it got put in the wrong place hang on a second we do have our act together here hi Dr. Green this is from a clinician but I'm doing it on the parents program doesn't really matter which program we do it hi Dr. Green I learned recently learned about your model when I took my current position a few months ago this is a clinician writing I really like this approach to challenging children, and I have become an avid listener to your podcast. Cool. I am curious if you would be able to do a segment specifically for therapists who are beginning to use your model. I would love to hear exactly how you break down a child's specific unsolved problems and figure out solutions. I appreciate hearing the conversations and emails with parents, but I would like to hear you do the actual whole process with a child and support the parents during each step. Additionally, I am curious if you have used your model with children and teens who have sexually reactive offending behaviors having worked with that population previously. I know that a lot of those kids have the type of diagnoses that I frequently hear listed for parents who call in about them. If Yes, I would like to hear about that specific process. If no, is that something you think might work or um, willing to supervise research towards? Thanks for all of the information you provide and all the assistance you give to many kids, families, and teachers. You're welcome. And um, let's answer your question. Um there is some streaming video on the Lives in the Balance website of what the process looks like between a classroom teacher or a school administrator and a behaviorally challenging kid that shows um, the most one of the most important parts of the model, drilling for information. And a few of them show what it would look like to work towards solutions, There is more video being added. Mm. My goal is in the next two or three weeks, we are working furiously on that now, and that should be when it happens. And um, that will show much more explicitly for parents and educators what the process looks like because it's the model being used with real kids um, on real unsolved problems with real adults, um, it's real. A lot of the video on the Lives and Balance website at the moment is contrived. It's, well, not contrived. It's They are versions of real discussions that took place, but they're scripted. Um, and so they aren't quite as good. But um, they're still good. They show the process right now, best of all. I'm not sure that... Um, it would lend itself to a radio program in terms of what the specific steps look like, especially since I'm going to have it in streaming video up on the website very soon. And so I think that might be the best way for me to help you out with that. Has the model been used with kids who are sexually reactive slash offending? Yes, I've seen it used with that population of kids, especially for kids who were in prison for sexual offenses. And um, here's my attitude. Why not? And the empathy step is where we're gathering information. We want information about the kid's concern or perspective or insight about what's getting in the way. And... We want to know. Um, That's what the empathy step is for, information gathering and understanding. And I can't imagine why this would be any different than any other unsolved problem we'd want to understand. Then we want to get our, once we feel like we have the clearest possible understanding of the kid's concern or perspective on an unsolved problem, we want to, put our concern on the table. And when we're putting our concern on the table, we will want to be gauging the degree to which the kid understands our concern or perspective about perhaps how the behavior impacted somebody else and how repeating the offense could affect others sounds like something we'd want to get on the table and define the problem step and then in the invitation we'd want to try to come up with solutions without knowing where the plane is landing before it takes off of course but we'd want to make sure that our concern is addressed as well Namely, that related to how the offense caused somebody else to feel and whether this individual has any capacity for appreciating that. Um, Boy, the empathy step seems like it would be so important there. All three steps would be important there, but the empathy step in particular, because we really do... Want to gather information. Define this problem step would be important too. To what degree does this individual have the capacity to appreciate how the behavior affected another? I know I'm being redundant here, but it's on the basis of those first two steps that we would be able to gauge the degree to which solving this problem collaboratively. Might be a useful intervention for that person. But yes, I've seen it being used in, especially in juvenile detention settings. Interesting topic there. Let's pull up another. Um my great niece has been attending a school and has been suspended already at least three times. The most recent was for three days. After reading your website, I strongly feel that this is only causing more difficulties in helping her learn the skills she is lacking. This past week was especially bad, and my great niece started was stating a teasing from the other kids about the color of her glasses is the reason for her behavior. However, the teachers and aides in that class apparently haven't noticed anything, and I was given the advice that maybe I should be tougher with her at home. I fail to see how this rectifies the child's concerns in regards to her fellow classmates, whom I am aware are also coping with their own learning curves. I would appreciate any tips on how to handle this. Well, what a sad state of affairs, eh? But that's sort of what this model is about. So often we adults jump in with punitive intervention, almost as a matter of instinct almost as a matter of instinct, before we have any idea, this is actually rather similar to an email that I covered last week, either on the parents' program or the educators' program. We adults jump in with the punitive and the adult-imposed consequences so quickly, too quickly, before we really understand what's going on. And this sounds like It might be a case of that. But as I've begun calling them, solutions that we adults arrive at without really having any idea about what's getting in a kid's way or what's going on, I call uninformed solutions. Uninformed solutions. And uninformed solutions don't work. How could they? They are solutions that are formed, forged by us adults without having the information we need to actually come up with informed solutions. When you put it that way, it's kind of doomed, you know? Doomed. Um, So this sounds like it might be another case of that, and if it's another case of that, well... It's probably time to meet with the folks at school. Um, Our emailer was asking, what would I do next? I would want to have a meeting with the folks at school to let them know what you know. Maybe they don't know what you know. Maybe they don't have the information you have. Such a meeting could be very informative to them if they are open to the information that you are providing them. I hope they are, because it sounds like your great niece needs people to be advocating on her behalf and understanding what's getting in her way. Time to meet, time to collaborate, time to put our heads together. I'll tell you some things I hope you don't hear in the meeting. I hope you don't hear the refrain You know, it really doesn't matter what's going on. Your great-niece needs to learn that her behavior is unacceptable. See, this is the amazing thing. We often are so focused on the behavior that we totally forget about the unsolved problem that gives rise to that behavior. When the problem gets solved, the behavior subsides. If you only focus on the behavior... The unsolved problem typically remains unsolved. So yeah, maybe your great-niece exhibited some behaviors that are not in keeping with the school discipline program or the rubric system. But so long as the adults in the building believe that punitive intervention isn't going to get the job done, and that focusing on behavior instead of the problems that are giving rise to that behavior doesn't get the job done, they're going to keep doing what isn't working, which would be a real tragedy and is a real tragedy for many, many behaviorally challenging kids throughout North America and throughout the world every minute. Right this minute, in the United States of America, lots and lots of kids are on the receiving end of corporal punishment. The belief that hitting a kid with a piece of wood will solve the problems that are giving rise to their challenging behavior. See, if you're hitting a kid with a piece of wood, All you're focused on is the kid's behavior, not the problems that are giving rise to that behavior. If you're focused on the problems that are giving rise to that behavior, then hitting a kid on the butt with a piece of wood makes no sense whatsoever because it doesn't solve any problems. It just teaches the kid that you don't like the behavior he exhibited, and I'm betting the house he knew that already. Lots and lots of kids just during this radio program were told they are suspended from school. Suspensions do not solve problems. They simply teach kids that the way they responded to the problem was in the form of a behavior that we don't like. But suspension does not solve any problems. Hundreds of kids were told they got a detention just in the first 25 minutes of this program. Hundreds. Detentions don't solve problems. Some meaningful number have been told that they are expelled from school for the year. Doesn't solve any problems either. So a lot of the stuff that we do doesn't get the job done. And that's why we keep doing it over and over again. If it was working, we wouldn't be doing it over and over again. But we do. And it makes no sense whatsoever. I hope that you get a good response to your meeting. Call the program if you don't. We'll take you further. Uh, One of our listeners has emailed in, I think in response to the first caller. That's exactly right. I have a challenging child and was brand new to CPS. I recognized some lacking skills in myself that I wanted to improve on. And just like you're saying, as my child indirectly learned the skills, so did I. Yeah, there you go turn our attention to another. Let's first see if we have any callers today. Nope, no callers today. Let's turn our attention to this one. Uh, Hi, Dr. Green. My wife and I have just finished working through your book. We have three children. Our oldest is nine, a girl, biological. Our middle child is seven, a boy. And our youngest is four, also a boy. Both boys are adopted at different times and are full biological siblings. After reading your book and observing them and having experienced years of their behaviors, we are pretty confident as to some lagging skills in each. The older has less but is definitely a black-and-white thinker, rigid and extremely emotional. The younger is more rigid, defiant, and aggressive. How much experience have you had with a family with two kids with these challenges How does the dynamic change? And how have you found adoption to impact situations like this? Thank you very much for the work you do. Well, you're very welcome. And you've asked quite a few questions there, so let's see if I can take them one at a time. Um, Certainly having more than one child in the household who's challenging, um, I think that it mostly changes dy- that dynamic and the fact that you've got double the work to do. That's what it changes, and that's harder because having one behaviorally challenging kid makes life difficult, and now you've compounded it by having two. But I don't think that the um, – and bottom line is you're going to have to figure out you're going to have to figure out what's going on with each of them. You're going to need a separate assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems for both. You're going to need to identify the unsolved problems that are specific to each of them. Yes, I get it that um, their behaviors are different, but, as you now know, what behaviors they're exhibiting is actually the least important part. It does sound like you've started getting a bead on lagging skills of both, especially the one who is um, a black and white thinker, although you're describing the second as rigid as well. Sounds like the first is extremely emotional in response to frustration, the second defiant and aggressive, but That's actually going to be the least important part. We need to get a good handle on what skills both of them are lacking separately. We need to get a good handle on what unsolved problems are associated with each of their lagging skills separately. And, yes, I've had lots of experience with families that have more than one behaviorally challenging kid, and it's harder. You've got double the work to do. Beyond that, I'm having trouble thinking of anything about the dynamic that it changes. Um, I've had to do divide and conquer with families that had more than one behaviorally challenging kid, and I've had to do divide and conquer with families that had only one behaviorally challenging kid just because it was so difficult for the not behaviorally challenging kid to be around the behaviorally challenging kid. I think you've got double the number of problems to solve, Um, maybe more. Still two or three for each, unless you're feeling like that's overwhelming. How does adoption impact situations like this? Well, at the risk of offending some sensibilities... My answer is not as much as many people think. Um, Because I've worked with so many families that have biological children who were challenging and so many families that have adoptive families that were challenging, here's what's interesting. I sometimes find that the parents of the adopted kids wonder if it was the adoption that caused the challenging behaviors. And the parents of the biological kids want to know if it's the gene pool, you know, Grandpa Sam, who had some stuff going on, who's the issue. And while there are certainly Kids who've been adopted who may need to grapple with some of the things that went on prior to the adoption. While the conditions they were raised in may provide some interesting explanations for what's going on with them now. And by the way, we have two callers now, I'm just noticing. I'm going to finish answering this question, and then we'll take our callers, so hang in there, callers. Um, Although I just did lose my train of thought here. Right. Those things may be relevant for kids who are adopted, and some kids who are adopted also have some issues related to having been adopted and perhaps having not been wanted by their biological parents. By their biological parents. We'll find that out. Um, We'll find that out, I suspect. And we'll find out if those things need to be talked about. Beyond that, I don't find that Adoption in and of itself is a major cause of challenging behavior. I think that sometimes we look to it as a potential cause, but I find that that doesn't usually hold up. The things I just mentioned could hold up. But what holds up the best is lagging skills and unsolved problems, and that's true for whether a child is adopted or a biological child. Um, But if you have a specific thought about the dynamic that is changed by that, I would be delighted to have you call into the program. Uh, Given that we have two callers now, it probably won't be today, but feel free to call in any time. But now, let's turn to our callers. Our first one is from area code 917. Hello. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm fine. Hi, Dr. Green. Um, Good. We we recently don't any found... Names found
0: or, don't use any names or identifying information. I always start off with that just so that we keep this anonymous. But go ahead.
1: Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, i planning not to and hope I do well that way. Um, it's always hard not to. In, <laughs> My husband and I recently found your uh, really wonderful website and have been listening to your programs uh, offline at the moment. We were hoping to wait a little bit longer before calling in. Um, We've looked at your materials, but not all of them yet. Uh, We have an 8-year-old son.
0: You qualify um, as a beginner. Yes. And that's great. Um,
1: We do. Uh, We have an 8-year-old son. Uh, He's an only child, and we are both full-time working parents. Uh, We both come from a history of authoritarian households. We have tried to raise him so far in an authoritative way. And uh, as a result, uh, he developed a strong sense of empathy and the ability to talk about his feelings um, very early uh, in life. Uh, For instance, without prompting by us he he will express independently his appreciation of the things we do for him or other people do for him, and that he uh, uh, has opportunities that he's fortunate enough to have that other people don't. Um, at school, he does awesomely uh, well academically. He loves school. He's highly regarded by his peers and their parents. He's consi- considered by his teachers and authority figures um, as one of their highlights of their teaching. Um and so he's over the past six to eight months or so he's been um testing our limits in ways that uh we obviously need uh more better coping skills. We're both glad he's doing his limit testing at home where he ostensibly feels more comfortable doing this. Uh, he's recently taken to shouting at us during discussions of just about everything. We've tried our best to be reasonable. We have resorted to some Plan A, and and we're seeing that it's uh, obviously counterproductive. We have a specific issue that came up this weekend that uh, seems to be overflowing to another area of his life at this point, and that we would like to develop better coping skills for Go ahead. Uh, he is he's on a travel uh, so, uh, sports team that meets four times a week. The head coach of the team is not a parent. Uh, my husband is the assistant coach of the team it's a new team they've only been together uh, for about two months. Uh, this weekend, the head coach was running late and asked my husband. Who is the assistant coach to warm up the team before a game? My husband split the team into two groups and gave them uh, drill, drill exercises to do. And my son then spent the whole time pretty much undermining his authority in both the group he was in and the group uh, and the other group that he was not in. Um, my husband at that point uh didn't make him sit out of practice he he didn't quite know know what to do but explained to him quietly on the side that he'd be ejected from um practice in the game if he didn't uh get it together uh my son melted down at that point now uh before my my uh, husband became assistant coach my son articulated that he could differentiate between his father as an assistant coach on the team, and as his father, he said he could. Uh, my husband is, hard, you know, highly regarded by um, the other teammates on the team. He now feels totally undermined. My husband feels totally under- undermined. Is planning on taking him out for a snack after school uh, today to discuss it with him. He's decided not to do it at home, so it, so they're in a neutral uh, area. Um, My husband feels that his uh, behavior at home is now going to start spilling over into other areas of his life. Now, in addition to that, in the past few weeks for other problems and other issues, our son has come to us independently when he's calmed down and asked us for help. Um, And here's a direct quote from him. Uh please help motivate me to do better. I really don't want to yell at you, and I don't know how and We've tried a variety of uh ways from from you know breathing exercises to you know uh, quality timeouts, uh and they're they're obviously uh not working. We've also okay. oh just just to to let you know in in uh in using some of the language from uh, your cheat sheet, which is language that we've used in the past, he now has resorted to just responding to those uh, questions uh, by yelling at us that we're not being fair and we're being rude to him and we're talking to him reasonably. So I'm wondering if you have any
0: tips. Well, let's see. Um, I was listening very closely. Um, I don't have a very good sense of whether the conversations you're having with your son are in keeping with what I would recommend. I can't tell that. So Mm I have to ask a few questions. Sure. I usually, given that your son is kind of barking at you whenever you try to talk with him now, I think that I would be a little bit more formal about organizing this and actually fill out the, another of the sheets that you would find out on the Lives in the Balance website, the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Because mm-hmm. what I'm not hearing so far that's important are the skills he's lacking and perhaps even more importantly than that, the unsolved problems that are reliably and predictably setting in motion challenging episodes. Because you want to avoid trying to work with him on too many things at once. Probably, given that I'm anticipating... and The only reason I'm anticipating this is because of what you've said about where things are at right now whenever you try to talk with him. Uh, That sometimes hints that... And it may not be the case here, but it's sometimes a hint that we're talking too much about too many things. And I usually try to limit people to two or three things that they're working on at once, with the rest prioritized out of the equation for the time being. But it also sets the stage for the conversations to be proactive rather than emergent, so something else I don't have a clear sense of, and you might be able to give me some information on this in the time that we have left, but we might need to Continuing this, continue this into our next program um, I don't have the perfect sense about timing either whether the conversations are taking place emergently and in the heat of the moment which generally speaking can be kind of fatal to the process um, so I don't understand that and then there's one other thing so, so I would be formal about it what are okay. his lagging skills What are these specific unsolved problems that we want to be solving with him? One of the things I could also help you with on this program, although probably not today, just because of time, Mm -hmm. is making sure that your unsolved problems are specific enough for him to understand what it is that you're actually wanting to talk with him about. Sometimes kids get aggravated and irritated and bark at us because what we're trying to talk with them about is so global or so vague that... It feels too big to them or they don't even know what we're asking about and then people get barked at. So um, lots of things about how you're going about doing it that I have questions about. But now one last one, and this may just be semantics, but it may not. Um, You're still using the term limit testing. And limit testing has a certain connotation and that is that your son is doing this on purpose volitionally perhaps even planned although perhaps not and that it is and these are some of the inferences people make you may not believe any of this or you may only believe some of it that your son is making a conscious decision to test limits and that's actually incongruent with the model, which posits that kids exhibit challenging behavior because they're lacking the skills to respond to the demands that are being placed upon them more adaptively. Mm -hmm. And so one question that I might have is whether, as a beginner to the model, you have those lenses on or whether you still have limit-testing lenses on because that could conceivably color your tone, and your approach to unsolved problems. And so lots of things to think about. The bad news is, and I apologize to the other person who's been holding, and I strongly encourage our caller from Area Code 508 to call in next week, Um, but call in at the beginning of the program. We sometimes run out of time here at the end. Um, Mom, we've got about 30 seconds left. Any initial reactions to the things that I was saying?
1: Uh yes, yes. We we're trying very hard not to um not to see this through the limitations of limit testing, though it seems to have come up in the past 6 to 8 months. So he was a model uh a model child before that. So the only thing we can imagine is that he's begun to do this with us in a place where he feels comfortable doing so. So we want to And here's what I would um, say to
0: that just because we're short on time. Mm -hmm. I can imagine lots of other possibilities that would explain it. Can you call in next week? Yes. Call in next week, and we will continue our conversation. I wish we could get to a total outcome today, but it's not going to happen today, unfortunately. But please do call in. I'd love to continue.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Unfortunately, that's (laughs) going to do it for us today. Thanks for joining in. I can't wait to talk with our mom next week and our other caller, back you then.